0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There are moments in our life when we are shaped through adversity and challenge, propelled through turbulent change. We're presented with an opportunity to take wings and soar from a dark place to one of light. I'm Leslie Salem, founder of Over the Bloody Moon, on a mission to remove the muddle from menopause. In our podcast, we meet women from all walks of life and experience to share their tales and tools of positive transformation. Come join us for the flight. In today's show, Disability, The Invisible Menopause, we'll be chatting to artist Alison Lapper, who has had her fair share of ups and downs in life. Alison was rejected by her mother from birth. She was born with a condition called phocomelia. This means that she was born without any arm limbs and also shortened legs. Alison spent her childhood and teenage years in a variety of different institutions. When she was 17, she was taken to an assessment centre where she was taught about life, how to cook, how to drive and take care of herself. At age 19, Alison moved to Shepherd's Bush, London, and it was here that she learned to live. Alison discovered a gift and passion for art at school, going on to have a successful career as a professional artist. She often uses photography, digital imaging and painting to question physical normality and beauty using herself as a subject. Alison, it's wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you so much for making time to be with Over the Bloody Moon in our community. I just love that. Makes me smile every time you
1: say it. And it's a pleasure to be here.
0: So Alison, we've had a conversation before. We normally start the podcast talking about adversity and a moment in our life that has shaped us, but I'd like to do that a little bit later on today Yeah, because the topic that really struck me when we were talking last time was about your own menopause experience and what that is like as someone with a disability and how that feels in terms of you know, your treatment and support with the healthcare system. So just tell the audience um, a little bit about, you know, how old you are and where you are in your menopause experience, whether you are through it or still going through it.
1: I think I'm still going through it. So I'm 55. In fact, I'm 56 in a couple of weeks' time. I started, I believe, perimenopause at 45. So it's now been 10 years and on and on it goes it's like is this ever going to end and are you are you still having your um, menstruation you still bleeding no i've got a coil in although i don't understand how it's actually stopping it because the coil's been in there quite a long time now and of course the whatever it is that comes off it, it's probably not working anymore but i kind of said can i just leave it in because i'm i find menstruation really difficult to handle anyway obviously not having hands and what have you all i can tell you is that i sometimes bleed still so isn't really any different for me but i still get period pains the bloating you know the the mood the all of that still so and i can tell you when i'm due to come on so I'm either a werewolf because it seems to be when the uh, the moon comes out. So. Yeah. I'm also guided by the moon, funnily enough. So, yeah. And, and I noticed, you know, I, I have a change that week. You know, I, I'm, I'm a bit more grumpy and I'm definitely touchy and edgy almost and feeling very bloated and uncomfortable. And so it's almost like having period without the blood bit, really. The truth is you're not entirely
0: sure where you, you know whether you're post menopause because I don't know if you know but menopause is only one day menopause is only one day It's 365 days after a woman's last natural menstruation oh. so if you're on the coil which is releasing progesterone it's going to be masking some of those symptoms so it's not unless you actually have that out that you would know whether you have stopped Tell me a little bit about your last chat with the doctor because you you have had a conversation, haven't you? What happened there? What were you told?
1: I've mentioned it obviously since perimenopause because I've felt so uncomfortable and weird. So when I go to the doctor, I mean, I started, as I say, perimenopausal at 45. And because it's really hard to read my blood pressure, I mean, they they put the cuff on my leg and it, it reads such different variations. We don't know what's real and and what isn't. So there was concern that if we give you HRT, it's going to affect the blood pressure. I mean, I'm not medically trained, so I've got no idea if that really is truth, but I just feel so fobbed off with it. It's, you know, I've been in loads of times and said, look, I'm really struggling with this many pores, you know, the sweats, the uncomfortableness of it all, the fact that my brain has left my head. And it's almost like, well, you know, because of your blood pressure, you're just going to have to go through it. And I just thought if this was a man thing, it would be sorted because they would not put up with. I mean, I've been 10 years now of feeling like a complete lunatic sometimes and and down and depressed sometimes, and then, you know, your moods are all over the place. I mean, I apologise to people all the time now and say, look, if I'm a bit weird, just go with it, you know. And I think I shouldn't have to be saying this. I mean, they sent me for a bone scan, and that was hilarious because the machine completely and utterly denied that I was even under it. It was hilarious. (laughs) So the fact that, you know, I've not ever had a proper scan so we don't really know what my body is doing and I I find that quite worrying in many respects because Mm. what is going on with my body what is right or wrong is is there something that's going on that I need to know about the last time I had my blood pressure taken I was literally sedated and they put a needle up through my groin I mean I'm part of my disability unfortunately, is I'm really hypersensitive. So you don't even have to touch me with a needle. I'm screaming before you're even there. So that is a big problem. And obviously, there's no way I'm going to lie there awake and let you stick a great big needle up into my artery to, to measure my correct blood pressure. And it hasn't been done now for two years, maybe three years. And because it's such a palaver to actually get me to the hospital i have to be a day patient and then the anesthetist comes from another hospital because he's looked after me for a very long time so there's an awful lot kind of running up against me really and it's like i can't tell you is this menopause is this because i've lost my son and i'm feeling really flat who knows and i don't actually know but it's been 10 years and it's like when does this end whatever it is When when does it end?
0: A decade to be experiencing sort of all those different aspects really has a profound impact on how you can enjoy life. And it's also really disempowering when you haven't got information and you haven't got support uh, and choices, Yes, really. So what you've just been told is kind of, you know, well, you can't take HRT because of your blood pressure and you're really difficult for taking blood pressure. So we're not going to try it. And that's not good enough.
1: No, it isn't. And and I suppose because I'm so used to being fobbed off about it, I've never actually stood my ground and gone, well, actually, you know what? You need to take this more seriously than you are. Mm -hmm. Um, It's true.
0: We have to be our own sort of health advocates to, to kind of fight our corner because, frankly not everyone is going to do that for us um have you been told about menopause clinics at all because they are they talk about it as like more complex cases so I wonder whether that might be of an option but how how do you think your particular disability might be playing out in, in menopause is there are there particular symptoms that you're you're experiencing that feel quite extreme because it sounds like there's the hot flushes and the night sweats
1: I mean, the hot flushes, because I can't move, I'm either in this chair or, or I'm in my wheelchair. I can't free myself up from where I'm either sitting. Or, and so I basically, I boil. I mean, most evenings, the back door, I have to say to Si, please open the back door because I'm so hot. And he's sitting there shivering and I'm absolutely, you know, steam is coming out of my I mean, I put my hair up a lot because I can't bear it down because it gets so hot, you know, and that whole thing of it all running down my back. Well, there's nothing I can actually physically do to help myself through that. Obviously, you need either another person or, you you know, I, I need to be able to do it myself and I can't. So it, it just feels very much ignored. And the only people that I really can talk to about it our friends that are going through. They're not necessarily disabled, you know, able-bodied friends. And there is lots of similarities that we, you know, all connect to. But also there's an awful lot that's extreme that you don't realise that somebody else is going through as well. So, I mean, I find the bladder control thing, I'm finding that really difficult. Again, I can't move as quick as I used to be able to, and when I need to go to the loo, I have to go to the loo. There's no like wait two minutes. Nope, can't do that. But obviously, I have to wait for someone to help me get off my chair, and I because I do walk in the house, so I'll get obviously walk to the bathroom, and I'm I'm like jigging with. It. I'm going, oh, can you please hurry up? And I think, oh, I'm being really demanding, but I can't hold it. It's just can't do it. And I find I'm finding that really sometimes quite embarrassing. You know, it's almost like we joke about the tenor lady pants. But actually, am I going to ever be at that stage where I'm going to have to? Which I find quite mortifying. And I had a cesarean. So it can't be because of my lack of pelvic what have you, because I didn't have Paris. Naturally, I had a cesarean. So what's that about? And again, it's almost like, oh, you know, you're a woman, just put up with it. I mean, and also another thing that I've found is I've had a lot of UTIs, infections, almost like two, three a year, maybe more. So I feel like I'm always on antibiotics for that. And again, is that part of my disability or is it part of the the menopause? And And I can't answer that question because I don't know. I mean, it certainly seems like... Since menopause, I've definitely had more infections and what have you. So it's so hard, isn't it, to kind of like, is this a symptom of menopause or is this a symptom of disability? And I'm not sure. Friends say to me, oh, yeah, I'm exactly the same. You know, when I need the loo, I have to go now. So I don't think it, it, it is my disability. It probably is the menopause. But how do you separate all these different feelings and moods? How do you do that? And I think I've got a stage now where I blame everything on menopause. It's like headache, yeah, menopausal. Pain in my stomach, yeah, menopausal. So I think I blame it for everything, which is probably not a good thing because I might be overlooking things that maybe I should have gone to the doctor about. I haven't. So yeah, it's a very strange situation to be in.
0: I've really struggled to find any clinical studies to understand whether menopause is is different. But... As you're talking, it kind of makes sense. If if you haven't got arm limbs and you've got all this heat coming up, where does it go? I think that there's such an important piece from a medical research perspective to, to give women that have got disabilities an understanding of how menopause is going to be maybe different and unique for them. And I know that everyone is individual and one person with focamelia might experience it completely different to you, but at least do the research and see with a large cohort.
1: It's never been done, has it? I don't think. Not that I've come across.
0: So hopefully if we've got any clinicians listening, they can share that with us. I mean, another thing that really frustrates me is just the lack of representation of different women experiencing menopause. Yeah. Um, I know when I'm searching for my imagery on social media even finding a non-white face in itself is really difficult. A woman in a wheelchair with a fan to represent, you know, menopause just doesn't exist. No. I mean how would you like disability and menopause represented in in the public space? I mean, what would you like to see?
1: I would love to see an experience Acknowledgement that you know this is happening to you as well. I mean, I've through my life, you know, even though I obviously conceived and I had a child, the fact that people didn't even believe that. How did you get pregnant? I'm like, really? Got to tell you the facts of life. So yeah, basically, you know, it, I feel like all those stages of, if you like, of my life have really been very much ignored.
0: We always ask our guests to talk about a moment of adversity because menopause, for some women, not all, but it, you know, it's a time of change that is uninvited. Yeah. And with that, it can be quite unsettling for some women who are used to having a plan, used to being and feeling in control, and then suddenly they're not. Hearing from our guests about a moment that really... I suppose, shook them in terms of adversity is quite helpful in terms of the tools that have helped you that could be passed on to someone else. So let's just talk a little bit then about what that moment has been for you, Alison.
1: Unfortunately, a year and a half ago, my son, Paris, died of an accidental overdose. He had mental health problems and drug problems and I don't know. It was very, so weird. You know, you go before them, not the other way around. So I'm completely broken, and yet I'm not because I'm still here. I'm still working. I'm still doing whatever I need to do. But I have a massive Paris gap, hole. I don't even know what to call it, you know. And people say, oh, well, time heals. No, it doesn't. The longer this goes on, I haven't spoken to him now for a year and a half, the harder it is because the one thing I want to do is hug him, obviously chat with him. You know, we used to watch, like, programmes together. I'd I'd be in bed and he'd come and sit beside me um, and we'd watch, I don't know, The Walking Dead. I mean, I used to hate things like that and I'd be hiding behind his shoulder. But what I loved about it was it it was our time, just he, him and I, and that was really precious time. So I, I can't even put into words when you lose a child and they could even be a grown up child i mean paris was at what 19 i don't know how to put it into words for somebody else to even try and grasp that concept you know i i have a big i have a paris hole and i don't i can't even tell you what that really is apart from that i miss him so much that it hurts and if i could sell my soul to get an hour more with him for a hug and a chat I would sell my soul. It's I can't. It's so hard to put into mm. into words. But I think because people have seen me be brave, which I need to move forward and 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 what have you. So it's almost like oh well you you know you've you've been really strong and you know and it's like the t- the quiet times when it really affects me. Some days I just cry all day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I uh, uh, I can't I can't imagine what what just utterly devastating. Mm. Um, particularly, I think as well as a a single mum, that intense relationship that, you know, yeah. you have with your child, that everything. I don't even want to say I'm sorry for your loss because it doesn't even cover no, what, what you must be, you know, thinking. But thank you for, for for sharing that. And the fact that you are still around, still, you know, doing your art, st- you know, in a relationship, you know, fiancé.
1: Indeed. Uh,
0: what tools would you offer as a gift to the listeners? You know, what if you were to really distill it down,
1: what has been able to get you through? I wish I could bottle it and give it to other people. I don't know what it is that I've got, but it it's, it doesn't matter how bad things get. They seem to be able to come out of the other side and there's light at the end of the tunnel. Is that my positive attitude? You know, because I still moan like everybody else, but I I'm strong and I do have a positive attitude most of the time. Amazing friends, obviously, an amazing fiance. And just, you know, they support me. They're there for me and, you know, listen to my moaning or enjoying something. Because I find also that with menopause, you, you you can be quite hyper, which is weird feeling. Although I do actually quite like that one. So... I don't know. I wish I could explain and I wish I could give it to other people and go, however bad this gets, I'm going to give you this so that it will take you through, you know, you'll come out the other end. You know, I have had depression, but that was when Paris was about six or seven, I suppose. And I felt guilty that I'd neglected him. And, you know, so there's all that as well, but I came through and I, I can't tell you how I wish I could, because as I say, I would give it to people if I could say, right, I can give this to you. It's in that bottle there. I would happily, you know, I don't want any money for it. I just want you to be able to feel this strength, really. And maybe it's because I did grow up in a very unusual environment where you know we had to kind of look after ourselves in many respects there wasn't you know there was there were some wonderful people there but there were also some awful people there so you kind of got the mixture of both but if somebody didn't like you when you're a child you know about it and that's a weird thing when you're a kid and people don't like you very strange because it's like what have I done all I want you to do is help me go to the toilet I mean, I remember being... They made me wait for two and a half hours. I was rocking in pain needing to go to the loo because they were in the staff room drinking tea. And I was scared. I was five and I to go into the room and go, I need the toilet with all these people sitting around smoking and drinking coffee was really intimidating when you're five. And maybe that's why now... I'm quite intimidated myself, I've been told. So maybe that's got something to do with it because I had to learn how not to be intimidated by other people. So maybe all these lessons that I've had through life have helped me to be Ali that I am am now, really. And I'm sure that goes for everybody, doesn't it? Everyone's experiences are different, but there are parallels. And I feel very fortunate that I'm strong enough to survive. I mean, when Paris first died, all I wanted to do was die and be with him. That's all I wanted. And then I obviously sigh, and I thought, I can't make him feel like the the way that I'm feeling of this loss, I can't do that to him.
0: I'm sure that the fact of your childhood and teen years, you know, what that's taught you is you're your own container. You've learned to rely on yourself. And so that's built your resilience. Yeah. And I think that as much as those times are incredibly challenging, it gives those skills because, you know, you've been through shit before
1: and you've got through it and you'll get through it again. Yes, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be other things as I'm getting older that uh, life's going to throw at me that I, you know, I can hope that I can just plod on through. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm quite a, a positive person. And I think that attitude does help.
0: Tell me about the future. What, what are you hoping from, from the future? What's the ideal look like for you?
1: I'm very much a live for today kind of a person, to be absolutely honest with you. But saying that, I'm about to um to buy a house with Sai. So I've always had my own houses and I've always paid for, you know, myself and all that. So I actually love and trust him enough and he does me that we're buying a house together. So that's a really lovely experience because it's not me doing it on my on my own and we're getting married in October, all being well, that we're all out of lockdown and everyone's had their jabs. And it that's going to be a really almost over the top Day because it's you know me and and three people as witnesses in the registry office is not my style at all so basically it's you know it's the grand hotel in brighton so it's going to be you know almost theatrical i suppose the only and it is a sad part is my son won't be with me to experience it i mean i'm glad that he and I did have a relationship for just over a year and that's that was really important to me, and I can remember Paris saying to me, "Mum, he's he's the nicest guy you've ever been with." I'm like, "Yes." I kind of looked for that. I think even with other relationships, because he was obviously slightly on the outside of that relationship. He used to say to me, "Mum, they're not they're not for you," and he was normally actually right. So I, his validation was very very important. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand why.
0: Yeah. We like to end as we near the podcast finish with the question What makes you feel over the bloody moon about life?
1: Life. I realise, again, I'm alive and breathing. I'm living a life that I want, which probably people thought I would never be able to do. You know, I'm an artist, so I actually love what I do. I've got that freedom. So, I just feel that I'm lucky to be here. We take life for granted and it's only when you lose somebody that's so close to you, you realise how precious life is. And, you know, and of course I have days, you know, because I am in pain most of the time now when it can defeat me and I'm like, oh, I can't get out today, I can't do, you know, but that will be a day. And I'm a mouth and foot painting artist as well. And it's like I paint for a living and it's like that freedom that I have to do that is is incredible. You know, I don't have to go to an office for 12 hours or what have you. I don't have to do shift work, you know, and I, c- I can work from home or I can go into, you know, I've done quite a lot with Brighton University and I talk to the students about body image because I am on the whole very comfortable with myself and my body, which a lot of people can't get their heads around at mm. all. And I try to encourage young people to enjoy what they've got. You know, we're so focused these days on what we look like and how we look that I just think we've lost that essence of just be you. You are beautiful, however you look, and don't let anybody else tell you. Otherwise,
0: what you've just mentioned is so fundamental to happiness, which is around self-love. And we have forgotten about how to accept themselves and love themselves for who they are. Actually, I think that's one of the most amazing things about menopause is because there's this physical change for some women it almost is undeniable about what's happening. It forces us to connect to what's going on. And for, for some women as well, that's the first time that they've actually stopped and listened and explored what their physical self, you know, means. And and I think that for a happy menopause is about accepting what we're becoming, you know, what we are and loving ourselves because, you know, you 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 can't be loved and you can't
1: love others unless
0: you love yourself.
1: I absolutely agree with you on that one. I really do. And probably, again, lucky because I've been quite in tune with my own body probably a lot longer than a lot of people, you know, women, because we're not taught, are we? Go stand and look at yourself in that mirror and see how beautiful you are. Just feel good about yourself, but it's so hard to do that. And I can see how it crushes people, And I just think I am so lucky that I love me for the the way I am. Because if I didn't accept me, I'd be one very miserable woman. And that's not me at all.
0: Absolutely. Gosh, we've spoken about so many things today, Alison, in terms of grief, your own challenges growing up. I mean, all the remarkable, amazing achievements that you have, your own, you know, menopause. For those that have got a disability that are listening into the show, are there any kind of final words that you would like to share?
1: Yeah, I think if you're struggling with this, don't keep quiet about it, as I have, you know, I did talk to my doctor about it, but it was very much brushed aside. And I just think, actually, it needs to be recognised that, you know, on top of this disability, there is my body is now changing yet again you know i haven't got a button that i can just switch it on and off with so i think it needs to be more recognized that disabled people as as well as other women you know we do go through menopause just because it's a lot of people don't have babies or whatever you know i mean i can remember when i first ever menstruation i thought i dirtied myself because i didn't know Mm -hmm. what menstruation was hadn't got a clue and it only ever happened to other people not us because we're disabled so i think if you can try and and say i'm struggling with this i need some help but i know that that isn't easy because my the doctor or my doctors i'm the only person like me that they're looking after so that's where the problem comes because it's not a familiar thing um Mm -hmm. you know and and look at the way i think you know menopause for anybody is is kind of hushed up don't talk about that, you know. And I'm glad that I've got friends that I that I can talk about. And you know, when we do laugh, because some of it is is hilarious. I think if you can have people around you that you can talk to about it, and not don't be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh well, you know, your body's dying now. You know, you can't, you no use because your ovaries are going, and you're not having children, and sod off. We're not just here to be baby makers. Women in other cultures, you know, I've read a bit this last week and it's not talked about.
0: I mean, we can't feel empowered unless we have the information and the tools and the support. Our time together has inspired me today in so many ways. Um, But actually what I really want to go away and do, and I invite anyone that's listening with a disability going through menopause that is not getting the support is to get in touch because I would like to bring together everyone and just see and push more for a better understanding and, and community support so so everyone gets what they, they need and feels that they've got like-minded women going through similar experiences or at least experiences that they can talk about. Alison, thank you so much for your time today. I'm just in, in absolute awe. I've loved chatting to you today and thank you so much.
1: Thank you for inviting me. And I know that you, we could probably chat till midnight, but <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs>